Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the same 24 hours podcast as I'm rounding the corner to my 300th episode. I just realized that. I mean, I guess I'm at like 278 ish, but yeah, that's rounding the corner because I have a lot of podcasts to record in the next few weeks. I am very excited about all the interviews I've got lined up and the content that's coming for you guys to make sure you subscribe and share and rate and review the podcast. Unless you have something mean to say, then just keep that to yourself. It's fine. Totally don't need it, but I also don't care. But I do care because we're all in our heart struggling for acceptance and we have that innate people pleaser living inside of us, which is why I wanted to talk to Gina DeVee today because she has an incredible book called The Audacity to Be Queen. And it is about how do we step into our own power, which is such a great topic. And it's so hard to get it through um, our, our, our being sometime, like how do we actually step into who we were meant to be our purpose and, and what is our purpose? And it's like terrifying. And then we just shut down and say Netflix and crackers seems like a really great idea. So I'll just do that. (laughs) I totally, totally get it. But I hope you all enjoy this episode with Gina. So I'll tell you a little bit about her. She is an author, a speaker, a podcast host, a business coach, and a self-made millionaire entrepreneur. Sounds very familiar. Sounds like my line, except the self-made multimillionaire. Um, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Um, Gina has dedicated her career to helping women connect spiritually, start profitable businesses, and create wealth from a feminine perspective. And her own journey is from a struggling psychotherapist to a globe-trotting entrepreneur. And it's taking her, taken her from the first lady's office at the White House to creating her own multimedia company and lifestyle brand, Divine Living. Check out her book, The Audacity to Be Queen, and you can learn more about Gina at divineliving.com. And she has a freebie for you, divineliving.com forward slash audacity. And of course, don't forget to follow her on the gram at Gina DeVee. So before we get going on this episode, I want to remind you that I have launched my free community at Meredith Atwood Community and Coaching, MAC, M-A-C-C for short. And the community is really a lot of fun and we're thriving and doing awesome things. So if you have not requested to join, you can do so by going to my website, swimbikemom.com or my Instagram at swimbikemom and clicking on the link in bio to request to join the community. So what can you expect from the MAC community? Well, first of all, it is a free off Facebook, off social media platform for men and women. Yes, the majority of my audience is women, but there are men and you are certainly invited to join. And we just, it's a safe place (laughs) off social media to come and get inspiration, motivation, coaching, um, endurance plans, food plans, nutrition help, strength training, pretty much anything in your life hence the life side of coaching that you're struggling with, there is a place for you in the Mac community. So I encourage you all to join. You can go again to swimbikemom.com. It's right there on the homepage to click to request to join and also link in bio on my Instagram at swimbikemom. I think that's all. I'm out of breath. I'm out of words. So let's get on with the show with Gina DeVee. Hi, and welcome to The Same 24 Hours Podcast. I'm Meredith Atwood, author of the book, The Year of No Nonsense. I'm a former attorney turned writer, speaker, and Ironman triathlete. Although right now, all I really like to do is lift weights. 
We all have the same 24 hours, but it's what we do in those hours that leads to our greatest health, happiness, and success. It's my goal to crack the code on a life of less nonsense so we can all make the most of our 24 hours. So let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Same 24 Hours podcast. I am your ship captain and joyful host, Meredith Atwood. It's great to be here. I'm excited about our guest today. Gina DeVee is here. How are you? I'm great, Meredith. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. So I heard on your Instagram that you're in the process of moving. Is that true? It is. It is. We are relocating to Miami. Very nice. Very nice. I am an expert in moving in case you ever need any assistance with boxes or <laughs> we, we have moved so much that, it, yeah, I just, sometimes I think I have a roll of tape in my back pocket, but well, I wish you all the best in that move. And so business pleasure, both. Is that why? You know, uh, my husband just wanted to be in a place that was more open than California is right now. So um, you know, and it, I think everything from, you know, this past year has just had us rethink so many different areas of our life. And we've been in LA for over 15 years now. And we thought, you know, it might be a fun change in Miami and uh, we'll give it a try. So yeah, you know, awesome. Found well, a that... place we're out of here. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So let's go back. Let's rewind a little bit to Gina as a teenager. Oh, okay. I want to go like where, you know, so much of who we are is formed in childhood and teen years. And so much of who we are not is formed there because we realize, mm -hmm. oh, I don't want to do that. So I'm going to become someone else. So how were you as a teenager or a child? And how has that shaped you into this whole concept of, man, we got to live as Queens. We got to show up as our best selves. And like, did it come out of a hard place or have you always just sort of had this innate ability to like live your best life? No, 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 no. Of course, <laughs> we, all, we teach what we want to learn. Um, my teen years where I well, my, the first word that came up was boring. Um, I was just your quintessential good girl. And um you know, I, I, I didn't do any of the teenage rebellion because I, I was just really um, confined, I guess, in terms of my own personal self-expression. Um, I grew up in a pretty religious environment and so that was pretty conservative. And the good part about that that has been a through line in my life is that I've always had a really close relationship with God. So that and a strong faith. Um, so that's very in, um, immersed and infiltrated into my queenhood today. <laughs> I think that, um, I missed out a, on a lot of living life, which is why I'm even more motivated to live my best life today, because I was really stuck in good girl and getting it right and little miss perfect and, um, playing by the rules and, it didn't have me discover like what's really true for me. I was really living so much by other people's rules. I feel that with all of my being. <laughs> I know I know this version very well and I talk about it a lot. Um, the, the term I use is people pleasing. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to make sure everyone was pleased with me and everyone was pleased mm -hmm. with themselves. And, and that has 
a great cost, right? We just, I, I know for myself, I just didn't really know who I was. And so it took me until I was like, I don't know, 35, 38 to, to say, oh, I don't actually like that. Or <laughs> the, this is, you know, it reminds me of Runaway Bride with that movie with Julia Roberts, where she's like, I don't know how I like my eggs because she just ate her eggs. However, uh -huh. the men in her life uh -huh. did it. And, you know, it's not necessarily so much men as just the whole conglomerate of people. <laughs> like, uh -huh. how do I like my eggs? I don't know. So part of your um, journey to figuring out who you were is also, you said, teaching what you want to learn. Mm -hmm. So you knew somewhere deep inside of you, like I've got to figure out how to rise and how to be more authentic of myself. So what did that look like and how did it turn into your business and, and what you do to empower women? Yeah, I would say it wasn't really a conscious thought, you know, by grace, there was a real evolution and a real unfolding. So I, um, teenage years, whatever, went to a college that I didn't want to go to, but it was an in-state school and it was less expensive than the out-of-state school that I wanted to go to. You know, so like doing all of like the responsible things, the good girl things, the, what my, you know, and God bless my parents, but you know, they, they, they thought that that was what was best for me. And I, I, I just didn't have a strong sense of self. And then um, in my 20, well, I went to Washington. I worked in Washington for a while. So that was really um, a great experience. Some of becoming, cause I got out of the Detroit suburbs that I grew up in. I'm in Washington, DC. It was at the white house and, you know, around um, people that were thinking for themselves and, that started to wake me up. And then I went back to Detroit after that experience and met Marianne Williamson. Uh, and so her um, spiritual perspective, you know, which was not contradictory to my religious upbringing, but it really broadened and expanded me um, out of everything being so literal. And so she had a huge impact. Um, in my life. And um, at that time, I mean, it still does, but you know, that was that kind of the next evolution. And then I became a psychotherapist and I realized how confining that was. So I discovered life coaching. And I think it was really once I then moved to California, became a life coach, found internet marketing and business and entrepreneurship that, you know, I always say, if you want the best personal development seminar on the planet, start your own business. And <laughs> that is, probably where the evolution and the unfolding came from, um, where I got to know myself and, you know, entrepreneurship is so confronting and challenging and wonderful and um, intense that when I started to learn what actually was possible, that there's more than enough money in the world for all of us. There's more than enough clients, like all the opposite of everything I'd ever heard or been taught. Um, I thought that only professional athletes and rock stars could have those kinds of lives. And when I realized like basically entrepreneurs are the new celebrities, like th gradually things started to open up. And then when I really learned that we are responsible for creating our reality, um, then I think it became more conscious choice to be true to myself and um, create the life I love. 
did, was there a moment where it clicked and you said, oh, I'm responsible for everything I've brought about and everything I bring about? Like I've had a couple of those moments where I'm like, oh, so this is actually me. <laughs> like I'm in charge of, and accountable and this is my fault and this is my job. And like I've had a couple of those moments where you know, it's not that I blame things, but it's always been like, oh, I have these theories about why that's just not happening. And this is why and check, you know, I'm not going to worry about that because that's how it's always been. And mm -hmm. to, so to realize that you can change anything that past precedent is not indicative of what you can do or what you can accomplish. Like, and I realized it was me, it was my mindset. And it was a very clear moment. Did you have one of those moments or was it like little pieces along the way revealed like, oh, I'm in control of this or I can take charge? It's a great question. I mean, one of my big aha moments was when I learned about wealth consciousness and that I learned that, that I could create unlimited amounts of money. Um, mm. I think Tell that me about this. <laughs> Yeah. I, I mean, it was at the, at the beginning of my journey and I was totally broke and someone invited me to a free Bob Proctor seminar called the science of getting rich. And I'd never heard about wealth consciousness. Of course, like I had such a skewed relationship with money because I was taught you're not supposed to focus on it and it's bad and wrong. Or if you get it, you're supposed to give it to other people who need it. But I was broke and $75,000 in debt. Like, but I didn't think of me being one of the people that needed it. Um, mm -hmm. And credit cards. Are, so for me, my money story was like the, the most confining at, at that time in my life was, so now I was probably early thirties, like anything I wanted to do was stopped because of a lack of money. And so learning, giving myself permission to create wealth and to have a healthy relationship with money and not just like, I had a very naive approach, like, well, if you're just a good person, then the money will come and God will provide. And, or if you're good at what you do, then the clients will just come. And so I was just very naive in that sense. And when I learned that, no, you, you decide, you create your desires. It's sort of the same thing that, but it just came very specifically in the form of money. And then being in the conscious business community, um, you know, would learn the skills on how to take responsibility for what I was creating in every area of my life. And so I think that was probably more of a evolution than just an aha moment. Yeah. And I, it, that's interesting. You bring that up. I just talked to Rachel Cruz, who's um, part of the Ramsey um, empire and she has a new book coming out. We talked about money and I often talk to people about body image and fitness. And it's interesting how money and body are often the biggest gateways into substantial change because it's like how we treat money, how we treat our body is pretty much how we treat everything. <laughs> and so when you kind of deal with one of those bleeders, if those are a bleeder, if your money's, you know, an issue and mm -hmm. your body is causing you any sort of grief and you mm -hmm. start to just look at it, that really I've seen with a lot of people I've interviewed and in my own life, substantial change tends to kind of snowball from that. Hmm. Mm. That's a, yeah. that's an interesting connection. Yeah. So you say that your mission is to show women everywhere how to be queen of their lives, that within every woman lives a queen and only from that position of queen, can you fulfill your purpose? I love that. So 
talk about that. How do we step into our throne? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and what does that look like? How, how many people run screaming into the night when you tell them that? Um, yeah, yeah, just they don't scream it at me. I think I don't hear about <laughs> it until they like, they're like, oh, that's what it means. Well, so um, based on everything that we've talked about so far, this will make a lot of sense. So all of my work is based on the story of Queen Esther of Persia. So Christians know it from the Bible, Jews know it from Purim, uh, other people when they hear it for the first time, think it's cool Cinderella story. And I had always, before I met Marianne, I had always read everything very literally in the Bible. And there was a time when I read the story of Esther for the you know umpteenth time, And I really saw Esther's story as my own and as women's story everywhere. So um, real quickly for any of your listeners who may not know, um, Esther was a Jewish orphan girl who her parents died in a war and the Israelites were sent to Persia where they were treated like second-class citizens. And at that time, um, she had one living relative who she was staying with and she felt safe and it was cool. And then the king of Persia wanted to get a new queen. So they rounded up all the young maidens of the land and threw them into the palace harem where they had to prepare for a year with beauty treatments and special foods. Naturally, um, right. And, right. And then Esther being the most unlikely candidate, uh, historians say of about 2,500 women was chosen to be the queen of Persia, unbeknownst to the king of her background and who she was. And right when she um, becomes queen, there's a law issued to kill, destroy and annihilate all the Jews in the land. So Mordecai goes to her and he's like, Esther, for such a time as this, you've been called into royalty to save your people. You got to go to the king, tell him who you are and get us saved. And at first she's like, no, 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 I can't do that. But then she says, okay, I will. And she goes and prays and fasts for three days and then has the courage to go to the king, ask for her life to be saved. He saves it. And in my book, she becomes the heroine of all time. That's the instant coffee version of the story. (laughs) So where what my work is about and why I know every woman is a queen and why only from the position of queen can we fulfill our calling is that on some level, we are all that Jewish orphan girl, you know, whether we've been literally uh, put up for adoption and orphaned, or we have been emotionally orphaned by mother or father or both. Like, so I started to look at the story metaphysically also and like, wow, yeah, I can see where I feel orphaned. And I can remember the times where I felt exiled from that church or this group or whatever. And that Esther is not any more special than any of us. And that, that, all of us are meant to be the queen of our lives in whatever form that takes. And all of us have our own for such a time as this level of importance that it's like, especially right now for such a time as this, like what have you been called for? Like, what is your calling and what is your role? And you will only fulfill it if you are in the position of queen because like the princess and the martyr and like all the other archetypes they're not going to fulfill any of our callings so um that's where it all came from and since we are all god's children i know that there is a queen inside of us all yeah and the title of your book is the audacity to be queen so how does audacity come into this because it's like oh my gosh you dare to be queen i mean but yes we must right it's well, if you're going to be your real self, it's, it's an audacious move, right? Like it's, it's, there's an audacity to reveal who you really are and what you actually think and, um, what your style preferences are, you know, 
I don't mean fashion style. I just mean like life, life in general. So um, it takes real courage, you know, to like to let your yes be yes and your no be no. Um, you know, there's there's an audacity to that. There's an audacity to dream big and to to play as big as you want and not be confined to what you think is probable or reasonable or what other people are going to say about you. So yes, I entitled my book, The Audacity to Be Queen, The Unapologetic Art of Dreaming Big and Manifesting Your Most Fabulous Life. Yes. Love it. Love it. So you, you hit on, you said courage, like it mm-hmm. takes courage to be audacious. It takes courage to step into who you really are. Mm-hmm. Why is fear such a big factor in our lives? I mean, obviously a hundred million years ago is to keep us safe, or I don't even know if we were around that long, <laughs> not, not a historian here. Um, but obviously fear has a real place in humanity. But when we're just saying, and I say just with my little air quotes, hey, step into yourself, live your purpose. Like when you think, look at that globally, it's like, okay, what are we afraid of? What is so terrifying? But I also know from my life in coaching women, everyone's afraid. We're all afraid. So in your experience with working with women and the work you do, what is the number one fear and how, what is your advice to help women move through that? Um, it really does. It's some form of safety. I think women's number one fear. It's like, what are people going to say about me? And, you know, or they, they might use the words, like I'm afraid to be visible, but then it's still about because of what are other people going to say about me? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, back in the day, the, the way society controlled and oppressed women was, to, um, if you did not confine yourself to the status quo, if you did not conform, then you were cast out. So you were kicked out of the tribe. And in those days, that meant you would either freeze to death or be eaten by a wild animal or starve to death. So you would literally die. Um, or, you know, the witches that were burned, it was, you know, if you didn't follow the status quo, then you would be killed. So, that is in our cells and our psyches, that if we don't do what society wants us to do or what someone else wants from us, like, like the, it's not a rational thought, but the instinctual fear is I'm gonna die. And mm-hmm. so until more of us wake up uh, consciously and use the psychological and emotional tools to get into present reality, when you investigate those fear-based thoughts, then you can dismantle them. Then you can take your power back. And um, I write about this in my book a lot too, that the times that I've been most fearful is when um, I was afraid I was going to get ganged up on or people are going to say stuff about me that was unattractive. And what I was doing in that moment, once I investigated them, I had to eat like pizza for two weeks and hide under the covers for a long time. (laughs) Yeah, the, now you're the talking my one. language. I know this. Yeah. I know this part. <laughs> yes. Um, what I realized is I was making these other people source. I was basically making them God. I like that they would declare if I was okay or not, or acceptable or not, or worthy or not, or whatever the story was. And so when you investigate your thoughts, um, I had a mentor teach me that reality is always kinder than your story about it. And when you get out of the story and into the reality, you're like, oh, wait, she can have her opinion, but it doesn't make it true. It doesn't 
make it because well, her opinion of me doesn't doesn't mean that that's who I am or anything about any of it. So I've always found that when you return to source, when you return to spirit, that all peacefulness and the fear comes and the fear goes away. Um, I could go on, but that's. <laughs> no, you raise such a good point that oftentimes the truth is what we're avoiding, but the truth is really what will set you free. It may hurt, you know, it'll drag you through the mud for a little bit, maybe. Um, boy, you really heard my Southern come out on that, but it, it'll, you know, but once you look at the truth and you can see it laid out before you, oftentimes it doesn't line up with your story. The story is always <laughs> so much hairier and worse. Yes. Um, so one more question for you, this mm -hmm. podcast is called the same 24 hours, meaning mm -hmm. that we all have the same 24 hours in our day. It's just what we do with those 24 hours. that leads to our greatest health, happiness, and success. So I like to ask my guest, what is something that you do on a regular basis daily, if not mostly daily that leads to your productivity, a light, a health hack, anything that helps your 24 hours be most productive. It for sure is my spiritual connection. Um, and it's the first thing I do in the morning. I, I do a practice called the daily dazzle. And I, the first thing I do when I wake up is I pray and I ask, um, dear God, how do you want to dazzle me today? And it's my way of looking then throughout the day to see the, the form of communication um, that God wants to uh, communicate with me. And when I feel in communication with God on a, literally a daily basis, then I am more peaceful, less stressed, less fearful, uh, less reactionary, because I know it's all going according to his plan. Oh, I love that. The daily dazzle. Did you come up with that? Is that yours? Mm -hmm. Oh, mm -hmm. I like it. I like it. Yeah. Very well, good. yes, it, it was, it was a download. I should say God came up with it, but I, I was, was going to say, yeah, we, yeah, I felt like that was, yeah. <laughs> well, Gina, it was so great to speak to you. You said you have a free gift for my community. So yes. let's hear about that. Yes, yes, yes. Come on over to divineliving.com forward slash audacity. And it is the free companion course to my book. Um, you don't have to buy my book to get this though. I would love for you to enjoy that. As well. <laughs> um, it's uh, there's videos, there's, there's a Facebook group, there's uh, worksheets, and there's just so much um, positive, empowering content to support you in being the queen of your life. So come on over and check it out. Or you can follow me on Instagram at Gina Devi. Awesome. Yeah. I tell everyone to buy the book of my authors because as a fellow author and I'm like, just, buy, just go buy the book. Like that's our <laughs> currency, man. You got <laughs> got to have sales. All right, Gina, we'll have a great move and thank I wish you. you the best and I'll enjoy continuing to follow you. Uh, thank you so much. Thank you for joining me on this episode of the same 24 hours. Remember to rate, review, and share this podcast. It really matters. I appreciate it. See you next time.